Um, well, hello, my name's Matt. Uh, if I've not said hello to you personally, then I'm sorry I didn't get to that. Uh, I'm one of the leaders here at Hope City. It's my great privilege to get to speak to you this morning. And uh, I wanted to start by asking you if you have ever been um, turned down. Uh, we, we as a church, we're funded almost entirely from giving of people who come here week after week. But I've been busy uh, applying for funding from other places. And there is one huge um, church in America who've supported um, over 500 new church starts um, with pretty substantial cash. And uh, I thought we were pretty much exactly their cup of tea. I, I found their form online and everyone has their own form to apply for their money. I found their form and it had like 900 boxes that you have to fill in. So I wrote my long, long you know, paragraphs about why they should love us and why we're fantastic and why we should get their money. They came back to us and they said, can we have some more details, please? Um, tell us about this. How does this work? What are you doing about that? And I was feeling like we are on to a winner here. Um, some money is coming our way. I really thought we were going to get it. Then we had absolute radio silence for about three months. And, uh, and I, eventually I got around to nudging them. I was like, Hello? Is, is anything happening here? And uh, they told us, unfortunately, they'd allocated all of their support for other churches. And they'd done that. This was like a while back. They'd done that all the way through until mid-2020. So bad luck. Um, you can apply again one day, but nothing for you. And, and uh, you know, no offense. Like what you're doing, but no money. And uh, that was... Um, it, it's funny how that feels, doesn't it? When you're, when you're turned down, it's hard not to feel hurt. It's hard not to feel defensive. It's hard not to feel like that is not fair. If that's the way they're going to treat us, I'm never going to bother applying for that sort of thing ever again. Now, that's a relatively low-stakes game. What about when the stakes are, are really high? What about when you are entering a country and you get your passport out and you present it to the guy at the door? What about if you get turned down there? What about when you're in with the bank manager and you're pleading just a little bit longer to repay this loan? Or what about, what about when you're going to ask that girl out? After months and months of watching on from the side, it is time to pull the trigger. We all hate to be turned away, don't we? It's that disappointment. That's the, the, the hurt, the anger, I think, oftentimes, and then defensiveness that kind of comes afterwards. Shame of being turned down. We're a strange kind of culture for that, aren't we? But it can be really quite shameful to be turned down. It makes us not want to have put ourselves forward in the first place. Well, we as a church have been working our way through um, the Gospel of Luke, which is one of the stories in the Bible, uh, one of the tellings of Jesus' story. And we've been taking it piece by piece, um, looking at each section, thinking about what it has to say, um, what it tells us about Jesus, what it tells us about God, and what it tells us about how we should live here and today, because these things really do make a real difference. And today, we're just moving on into the next section of that story. And uh, it's a really short little bit we're going to read, but it has to do with this idea of acceptance and rejection, and it has things to say to us. So Dutsy is my reader this morning, and she is going to come and take us through. We're in Luke uh, in chapter 18 and uh, verse 15, and we're going to put the words up on the screen, uh, but if you've got one of these blue Bibles, you can find this uh, on page 1052, on page 1052, and uh, it's chapter 18, a big number 18. And then verse 15, a little 15. That's it. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. 
When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Thank you. It's a short little reading. It doesn't seem to um, say very much, but I think it's got some significant things to teach us. So it starts with this idea of um, kissing babies, which is kind of feels like a politician act, doesn't it? Uh, fine, Jesus is out kissing babies like politicians are on their election trail. He's not really kissing them. He's, he, he's, he's blessing them. Uh, here it says people want him to place his hand on them. And the reason they want him to place his hand on them is so that he can bless them. You see that in Mark's gospel, which tells the same story. He's laying his hands on them and blessing them. And it's, it's babies um, that are in view here. And that word is going to be important. So I want to just spend a little bit of time um, convincing you that this is quite a specific word. The word is babies, um, brephos, and uh, it it refers to anything from kind of a pre-birth child. If you know the Christmas story, perhaps you'll remember in the Christmas story that Jesus' forerunner was a guy called John, and when the guy called John is inside his mother's tummy still, he, he, he runs into this Jesus and he leaps inside the tummy, and that is called a baby in this way, using this same word. And then a little bit later on, it's all Christmas story this week, isn't it? But in the Christmas story, the shepherds are sent to look for a a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes right after Jesus is born. Same word there. So we're talking about really young little things here. So you've got these these babies that Jesus is being asked to bless. But then, I was working on my rhyming slides, uh, you've got these people hindering kinder. You've got the disciples... The disciples getting in the way, right? Um, the, the, the disciples, they rebuked them, he says. They told them off. You're bringing your babies to Jesus. Just get away from me. We don't have room for that. We don't have space for that. We don't have time for that. Why, disciples? Why? Who doesn't like to kiss a baby? Why are the disciples sending these babies away? Well, I think they're, they're, they're thinking that Jesus is far too important for this sort of thing. It's far too important to be busy kissing and blessing babies But you might imagine the disciples are also thinking that perhaps they are a little bit too important for this. Because you know what Jesus is doing? He's walking around um, with his disciples, showing them how to live and teaching them how to live. And I wonder if they're thinking, it is so much more important that Jesus tells me how to do this. Then he blesses these babies. What's going on? I, I am more important than that. But what happens is you get this really surprising welcome. Jesus calls them back. He overrules his disciples. He says, let the little children come to me. Little children here, it's a slightly different word. It's a broader word than those babies we started with, but it still has enough range to include those really young ones. Um, back to the Christmas story again. Um, that guy, John, that forerunner, well, he is, he's circumcised on the eighth day, which is kind of the Jewish tradition. And on the eighth day, he's described as one of these little children. So it's a word that means very, very, or can mean very, very young children. And, and this, will be, this will be important later. Yeah, there it is. I prepared better than uh, I remembered. Um, on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, this same little child world. They were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. So you've got this surprising welcome. It's the same babies in view. People are bringing them to Jesus. The disciples are like, get lost. And Jesus says, bring them back. Let them come to me. He disagrees with his disciples. 
Show that. That's the rhyme I should have had. Disagreeing with disciples, that would have worked perfectly, but I missed it. Um, it's a surprising welcome because, because Jesus is not just rejecting his disciples' view, but he's rejecting the view of the world of that day. You see, children, sorry kids, but in those days, children were totally unimportant. Like, if you, if you can't work and if you can't breed, then you don't matter. That's basically how it works. There is, there is nobody out buying a pony for their three-year-old in this day. That is just not how that society worked. These, these children really are really unimportant rather than kind of, I guess, today. We, we think children are quite special sometimes, but uh, not, not so much back then. Jesus is rejecting the disciples' view. Instead, he tells us the kingdom of God, he says, belongs to such as these. More literally, he says, of such, made up of people like this, is the kingdom of God. What's this kingdom of God thing? Um, This is the realm where God is honored as king. It's the realm where there is blessing and goodness and rightness. It's the realm where things are being put right. It's a realm where there's this hope ahead for a perfect and forever future. This kingdom of God is somewhere you want to be. Uh, It's somewhere that's breaking into the world in Jesus and through Jesus as he walks the earth. We started about being turned down. Think about being turned down. Well, you don't want to be turned down from this kingdom of God. You don't want someone to turn you away from that kingdom. And Jesus tells us right here that this kingdom is composed of such as these. It's a cute baby picture, isn't it? Everyone say, aw. Aw, that's so cute. It was actually really easy to find cute baby photography. Just so you know, the internet has infinity cute baby pictures on it. Um, Cute. Babies are cute, but they are unimportant. They are insignificant. They are helpless. The disciples don't think they are worth Jesus' time at all. Neither does anyone else. Nobody's shocked the disciples are thinking that way. Nobody thinks these babies are worth Jesus' time. But there's one more thing Jesus has to say here. He says, it is only people like this. Unless you're like one of these babies, he says, you will never enter this kingdom of heaven. The disciples are busy turning away these babies. Well, Jesus is busy turning away everyone except the babies. Well, he's not literally turning away everyone except the babies. Everyone who won't receive the kingdom, who won't welcome the kingdom like babies. And he's really emphatic. The original language here is as emphatic as it could be. It's like, by no means is it possible to enter this kingdom of blessing we're talking about unless you come like one of these babies. Okay, so quick recap. What do we see? We see Jesus is welcoming these insignificant ones, these these babies who don't matter, the helpless ones. He tells his disciples, do not hinder people like this from coming. And he tells us then that this is the only way to come. So what? It's what we like to think when we read the Bible. We're like, that's an interesting story from 2,000 years ago. Well, the question is, so what for us here and now today? And uh, I think the first thing this says to us is that Jesus won't turn you down. Jesus won't turn you down. Like, are you, are you no one special where there are a lot of ordinary people in this room? There aren't many significant types 
But Jesus has time for each one of us. Have you ever seen The West Wing? Who's seen The West Wing? Good show about presidents in the U.S. In The West Wing, the, the line you hear from the president again and again and again is, what's next? What's next? What's next? He's always on to the next big crisis, the next important person, the next big meeting. And you can think that God is like that. You can think God is dealing with all the crises in the universe. He must be so busy going, what's next? What's next? What's next? How could he have time for little old me? He's always got bigger fish to fry. But amazingly, I can promise you that Jesus, the king of the whole universe, will make time for you, even if you're unimportant. In this world's eyes, Jesus won't turn you down. Do you, have, do you have nothing to add, nothing to bring, nothing valuable? I mean, there's some pretty gifted people in this room. You heard the band this morning. They can really play. There's some cool things people can do. Sometimes it's a bit intimidating to find these classy people around you, but Jesus is not interested in what you can bring to the table. There's nothing truly useful that you could bring to the one who made the stars, is there? But Jesus won't turn you down. Do you feel like you're helpless? Do you feel like you're in trouble, in need? The people around you might look okay. They might look fine on the surface. They might tell you, because you know, the British way, how are you? Fine. How are you? Fine. You know, the sky is actually falling. They're bleeding out. How are you doing? Fine. That's, that's kind of how, how, it, how it is here. But you are surrounded by people who know what it is to be helpless, uh, who know what it is to be in need. You know what it is to reach the end of your own resources. And that's just the sort of people that Jesus welcomes, people who desperately need help from outside. Oh, Jesus won't turn you down. Those babies were nothing special. They had nothing to offer. They were just little bundles of helplessness and dependencies. Babies simply can't survive without help. They just can't survive without help. They are weak, vulnerable, needy, and dependent. If you've had a baby, you know how true this is, how complete and utter their dependency is. If, if, if you haven't had a baby, uh, I want to let you in on a, a, a little secret. What does a baby do for you? Here's what a baby does for you. They will wake you up lots. They will cry. They'll demand food. Then they'll vomit on you. They'll poop. And uh, then if you're lucky, they might sleep just for a little bit and then rinse and repeat until you go crazy or thereabouts. That's kind of how it works. And well, what do you get back from tiny babies? Not a lot, particularly to start with. And to such as these, Jesus says, the kingdom belongs. That's the picture he chooses for the ones he takes as his people. That's the picture he chooses for the ones that he welcomes in. That's the picture he uses for the people he receives. Helpless, dependent, useless, to such as these, Jesus says. Jesus' kingdom is not a kingdom for winners. It's not a kingdom for champions. It's a kingdom of the helpless and the dependent. So whoever you are, no matter how unimpressive you are, um, grasp his point here. Jesus will not turn you down. That's not what he's looking for. It's not how it works. So if you've never gone to Jesus, if you've never dared to go to Jesus, if you've had this fear of going to him and being turned down, I want you to hear him say today, the kingdom of God belongs to people such as these, helpless, dependent, needy, people like you and like me. That's who he welcomes. That's who he accepts. So are you ready 
Are you ready to come to him like that? Maybe you've never done it, but he is ready to welcome you. He's ready to welcome you today. If you want to explore what that looks like, why not talk to the person you came with? They'll be able to help you, or you can talk to me, but I'll, I'll encourage you to do something about it today because Jesus won't turn you down. But Jesus is also telling his disciples more here. He's telling them, don't get in the way. The disciples are trying to keep the babies away from Jesus. They say, you're not worth his time. Well, not as much as us disciples anyway. Who is it perhaps that you think is too insignificant for Jesus? Who, who are you in danger of pushing away? I, I hope and I think most of us would probably say no one. I think we would probably imagine that we don't push anyone away. We don't keep anyone back. But what about the people we push away simply by never offering them the opportunity to consider Jesus? Now, we gather twice on a Sunday. And as we gather in the evenings, one of the things we've been thinking about is how all of us can be engaged in sharing this hope that we have in Jesus with the world around us in ordinary ways. And one of the things we talked about on this journey is the simple act of noticing the people around us each day, particularly people who might seem less significant, people who might seem less important. The lady at the checkout, the guy who delivers your parcel, the security guy at the front desk who waves you in each morning, the person serving you your lunch when you get to the front of the queue. Each of those people is precious to Jesus. Uh, we can so often treat them like slot machines, right? I pull the handle here, you give me what I need. That's how it works. You're here to complete a transaction. Take my card, give me my parcel, scan my badge, hand me my food. But when we treat them that way, when we dehumanize them, when we don't have any time for them, it's like saying that Jesus doesn't have any time for them either that they're not significant. So I want to challenge you this week. Try and be alert to notice the people around you, particularly the people who are insignificant, who are minor. Try and notice them. Be careful to see them as people. Just meet their eye. Say hello. Imagine what it'd be like to live in their shoes for a moment. Wonder what their story might be. Why not pray a quick, silent prayer for them? Is there a way you could show them love, a simple way? Let them come to Jesus. Don't hinder them. So sometimes we hinder people by not noticing them at all, by kind of dehumanizing them, by thinking of them as just a cog in a giant machine. Other times we hinder people by deciding for them they're not going to accept this stuff. So we never give them the opportunity. Well, here's what we have to remember when that is coming into our heads. God chooses to save just the most unlikely people. The most unlikely people. I mean, look at me. Or look at you. Or look at the person next to you. He takes pleasure in confounding our expectations about who might change, about who he might call. If you think back to the very earliest church, perhaps you'll know the story of a guy called Paul. His day job was killing people who followed Jesus. And then God called him and changed him and used him at the heart of his church. How's that for somebody unexpected? It was so unexpected. The other early followers had a hard time when he showed up the door. Aren't you the one who kills us? Oh, sorry, door shut. Um, they could hardly believe it was possible, but God loves to choose the unexpected, the one you think is impossible, the one you think there's no chance, the super sciency guy, right? Your hardcore atheist, the follower of another religion, the person you wouldn't dare imagine could change their ways, the coolest kid in the school, 
Nobody likes the coolest kid in the school. The coolest kid in the school. Kanye West. Unlikely people, right? Don't hinder others by choosing for them that they do not want to come to Jesus. It's not your call. It's not my call. Jesus is ready to welcome absolutely anybody. And we've often been astounded by who he chooses to call. So Jesus isn't going to turn you down. Don't get in the way. Last thing, and this is the really sobering point that Jesus ends on. The only way to Jesus is to come like these babies. Insignificant, helpless, dependent. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Never. So if you think you are someone who is significant, if you think you've got something to offer, that is not the way to Jesus. That is a dead end. If we, if we dare to think, Jesus could really use someone like me. He'll be glad to have me in his corner. Well, we're fools. He's the, he's the Lord of the universe. He created everything out of nothing with just a word. He really doesn't need my help with the gardening. If we dare to think, Jesus is going to be rather pleased with me. I'm quite a catch. But we're fools because he knows us through and through. He, he knows the truth about who we really are. He knows the things that we hide from everyone else. We've got absolutely nothing to offer that could open the way to Jesus. And anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child in this helpless and this utterly dependent way, anyone who won't receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. But I was thinking about this. I was thinking, do we really think about ourselves this way as winners, as um, superstars, as worthy? I mean, it's not very Scottish, is it? I'm not very Scottish either, but, but it's not very Scottish. It's not very British either, to be fair. Um, probably the most, the most I could say about myself in an, in an authentically Scottish way is that I am nearly adequate sometimes. That's, that's probably about as far as we get bragging inside ourselves, really. If we do project, even if we do project winner on the outside of us, we want everyone else to see us as a winner. I think inside in our honest moments, all of us know that we are not winners. And we don't add up to a whole lot. We're not that special. We're not going to set the heather on fire. Well, good news. Jesus welcomes people like that. That's who he's looking for. I think the danger for us here is that we can give other people the impression that that's what he's looking for. We can give other people the impression that coming to Jesus has anything to do with being rather nice, really. Being pretty good. Perhaps we present ourselves to others with more polish than we really deserve. You know, your sort of Insta filter that uh, you put over your real life before you show it to others. Present ourselves better, or at least cover up some of the dark splotches and patches. Well, that might give them the impression that if they want to come to Jesus, they'll need to sort themselves out first. They'll need to make themselves a bit more presentable. If, if say, a church looks to be filled with shiny, happy people, a, a, a crowd of do-gooders who are putting on a pretty hot performance, well, you could see how that undermines Jesus' declaration that the only way to him is like a helpless, dependent, hopeless child. It tells the world a different story. And that is why I think it's so important as a church that we keep on aiming for being a transparent, 
and an authentic community where we don't expect one another to have it together. Instead, we recognize that we're all helpless. We're just coming to Jesus for rescue, and after our rescue, uh, we're just working through a, a whole world of debris kind of left over. Everything doesn't just magically get sorted, and we have to try and love each other through the mess because we are all in the same boat. Let's not kid ourselves. There can be huge pressure in churches to try and do it all right, try and get it all right, try and have it all together, and certainly to be absolutely sure to tell no one when you mess it up, right? Have you read your Bible today? Have you had your daily quiet time? If we're honest, I think we all feel a bit of that sort of pressure, don't we? Who in this room doesn't have something small or big, that you would prefer was covered up from other people. But if we're all just these helpless babes, if we're all just rescued by a loving Savior who accepts no hopers with nothing, no credit to us, then we can tell the world the true story of our salvation. So Hope City, I want us to be a true community of grace. I want us to be a place where you don't have to put your your game face on for Sunday. Uh, Where when somebody else messes it up, we don't jump on them. You know, somebody walks in late and we all look around and tut, tut, tut. That That is exactly what we're not looking for. So instead, I challenge you, be yourself. Be real. Be hopeless, helpless, and useless. Because that is exactly the sort of people that Jesus welcomes into his kingdom. We're going to take just 60 seconds uh, for you now to think uh, about what Jesus has said and what he's getting at and wonder what it has to say to you. And then uh, I'll pray and we'll move on. But just 60 seconds to think right now.